headaches, light sensitivity, sound sensitivity, dizziness, confusion, mood swings, even suicidal thoughts. These are just some of the issues I've suffered as a concussion survivor. In desperation, I've searched how to get my life back. I'm now moving forward, and I invite you to journey with me into deeper understanding of how to restore hope and renew life for all concussion survivors, even the tiniest of them, and those who love them. I'm Cindy Subizis, a multi-concussion survivor and national speaker speaking out on the dangers of concussion and what we need to do to protect all of us, especially the youngest amongst us. I promise life can get good again. And now for our show. I am excited today. Why? Because I've been looking at the new research that's examining the connection of how health in the gut can support brain tissue. Now, as always, check with your physician before making any changes to your diet, but I wanted to reach out to learn about food fermenting and its impact that today's guest has seen in vibrancy and energy for those who eat this way. So here's just a little bit about our guest. Austin Durant has been fermenting food for 10 years, and in 2011, he founded what he called the Fermenters Club with a mission to improve people's lives by teaching them why and how to make and enjoy fermented foods and to create communities that are connected through their guts, he says. He teaches classes online and hands-on workshops on fermented food traditions such as making sauerkraut, pickles, kimchi, kombucha, miso, as well as seasonal specialties. He writes and generously shares recipes, videos, and other fermentation adventures on his blog called fermentersclub.com. He also fosters fermenting communities around the world where newbies, which would be like me, and pros alike meet to discuss and share fermented foods. He additionally produces an annual day-long festival in San Diego, this time coming up April 26th in Encinitas, California. I love what he says. He said, quote, there's a lot of new research and knowledge about the two-way gut-brain connection. While very little is understood as of yet, it would certainly help, he says, your overall health to foster a healthy gut microbiome. This can be accomplished mainly through diet and other healthy behaviors, end quote. Welcome, Austin, to our program. How are you today? Hi, Cindy. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm doing great. Thanks. I'm super excited. Before we even get started talking about food, which I must say, yum, I want to ask you, as we think about concussion survivors or even anyone who has suffered trauma, what has surprised you most about the resiliency or grit that you've seen? Or in other words, what's the biggest transformation you've seen in those after they refuse to stop, even though they've experienced difficulty? Mm, that's a really, uh, it's a really profound question. I, I would say, the acceptance uh, I would say is is a is a big part of when I see people shift, as opposed to sort of fighting what's 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 behind us and what what befalls us. And you know, trauma is is something that every, every human being suffers in in varying degrees. Um, but I think it's those who process the process the grief about it and then sort of say to themselves, 
what can I, what, okay, what now, you know? And I, and I think that it's just so inspirational uh, for somebody who's, who, who suffered any kind of, of trauma, even if, you know, for us maybe who, who had what we would consider lesser traumas to see that, wow, somebody who's, who's had this, this happen to them is still re- resolved to, to just, to move on. Like that's just very inspirational and um, not surprising maybe, but, but certainly helps me in my, in my personal case, like say, okay, well, I can, I can do anything. You know, if, if, if other humans are dealing with what they've dealt with and are picking themselves up and moving on, I certainly can too. So, so it, it, it gives me hope in that way as well. It's, it's interesting to me, as you say that, I think of the movies we love to watch. We watch these heroes and they're battling things that are larger than they are, that are impossible to solve. And we root for them as they're crying or sweating or bleeding or suffering. And we know they can do it. Mm-hmm. And they make it to the end of the movie and they're the hero. And it's, to me, kind of an archetype when people have experienced true trauma and tragedy, when they're in the middle of the movie, if they quit, they don't get to see the happy ending. And so many need the help and support when they're in the middle. And they need to know that we believe in them so that they can make it to the end of the movie, so of their lives. So I love I love what you've said, and, and it inspires me, too. I have so many heroes that are, are doing that even right now. Okay, moving into the gut-mind-health connection, what is it that you find most fascinating or interesting about this topic? It, it's a very nascent, new, brand-new science, and, and that, that in itself is exciting because, you know, it's like when humans were at the precipice of, of new explorations, new things, and we didn't have the answers and we didn't know. So, so I feel like just overall, that's where we are, something that's very literally close to our, our bodies and in our bodies. So I think that's interesting, but specifically how, how the connection between the, our, our primary nervous system, which is our brain and spine, and secondary nervous system or enteric nervous system, which is our gut, and how important these two systems are they're equally important i believe to our overall health and furthermore the bi-directional communication that goes between the two systems you know that to me that's that's the most fascinating in other words you know our brain can inform things that affect our gut and vice versa what our gut experiences and feedback into the brain and you know that that's just the parts of us that are human now you add in the several trillion microbial members of our of our ecosystem and our gut, uh, and that just makes it even more fascinating. You know, everybody's sort of inspiring to work together in, in this cooperative environment. But it's but it's essentially a, a universe of 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 life forms. You know, that are that are sort of all 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 together. And so, so it just it just blows my mind. You know, to to, to delve into this aspect of for me, what started out as hey sauerkraut tastes good. Let me make some, you know, so, so <laughs> I, I've gone so much further into the rabbit hole than, than I would have expected, but, but I love it. The, the two-way connection between those two systems and what we're starting to, to understand about it is, is 
the most fascinating so far. It's intriguing, isn't it? And so how does the fermented food factor into this? What is the, the research that you've discovered and, and what have you seen with fermented food helping the gut-mind health connection? Sure. So, um, you know, I want to be, I want to be mindful about, uh, making any, any health claims. I won't make any health claims other than what we know to be sort of scientifically proven. And, you know, there are certain, uh, bars, if you will, of which that we consider scientifically proven, something that's repeatable, something that had certain level of scrutiny to it that, you know, the sample size is large enough to make sort of causal, you know, cause and effect kind of claims. So, Truly, there's not a lot of research. They're starting to become more about the, the direct impacts of, of fermented foods and gut health. But we know that, for example, when we've had instances where our gut has been compromised, i.e. if we've had uh, antibiotics or even if we have surgery, these things can disrupt our, our, our ecosystem, which we'll call the gut microbiome or the gut microbiota. Um, and so eating fermented foods does help restore the balance of a healthy gut. So that's one thing that in times where our, where our systems are compromised, fermenting food, fermented food can support health. So that's one aspect. There, there, are, there is a more research though that does link mood and the alleviation of psychological disorders such as anxiety, uh, depression, anxiety with, again, a healthy gut. And so by eating fermented foods such as, you know, dairy kefir or kombucha or any probiotic rich food that's been naturally fermented can again help support and restore certain um, bacteria, probiotics that uh, we're, again, we're, we're just starting to understand can affect our mood. So there, there's a, there's a, so probiotics is the term for these bacteria or other microbes that confer a health benefit on their host. So let's, that's a general definition. There's a subclass called psychobiotics, which actually have specific effects on, a, on our mood and on our, on our, uh, you know, um, our, our distress and all that stuff. So these psychobiotics have specific uh, families and, and genera uh, within the microbial community that are found in things like dairy kefir and, and sauerkraut and stuff. So, so that's sort of the, the, ba the baseline or, or um, the basics of what we're starting to, of what the research shows us. But again, there's a lot more research going on right now. And I think we'll, the end game or the future is to be able to say, okay, this specific microbe either causes malady or brings health. And so let's prescribe that specific microbe to a person who has these symptoms. We we're not there yet, quite frankly. We're <laughs> just starting to understand how it all works, but. That is fascinating. Okay. So I have to know because I've been so intrigued since I've reached out to you. What is the simplest way to start fermenting food? I've only ever bought sauerkraut. My husband has made sauerkraut two times, but ah. for me, I'm, I'm like, whoa, that sounds fancy. So what's the easiest way to start fermenting food so I can have this kind of health? Sure. So there it's, it's actually a very straightforward process. I like to say it's, it's simple. It's not necessarily, well, it's simple. So as long as you follow certain guidelines and respect the nature of these, of these microbes. So I would say, I would recommend somebody that wants to, to taste sauerkraut, go to the store, buy a bag of shredded cabbage, uh, fresh, you know, fresh shredded cabbage, get a little bit of salt, find a jar like a mason jar, 
get home, put it, put the cabbage in a bowl, add some salt to it and start massaging it. And when you massage it, you're going to start to see this brine, which is just the water that comes out of the cabbage. Cabbage is like 95% water. So as you do that, you've created this medium that's a salty medium. And then you pack that into a jar and basically set it, you know, clean up the jar, make sure there's no little bits here and there and put it on your counter for about a week at room temperature and close the lid. And what what will happen is the natural microbes that were there in the, in the cabbage itself are going to start to uh, wake up and they're going to start to transform the food. And in a week or so, you're going to have sauerkraut. So I would say your very fast way to make a homemade batch of kraut is to do that. Now, of course, you can get a lot fancier, but I would say that that's like a very, a very basic start. Or let's say you don't really like sauerkraut. Take, buy a couple carrots, you know, and cut, slice them into like carrot sticks. Put them in a, in a jar, mix a little bit of salt and water, pour that over the jar. And then again, cover the jar and let it sit for about a week or two. And again, all we're really doing is we're setting an environment for which these microbes can operate. But that'll be, um, you know, and if you want, throw in a slice of, of fresh ginger. So you'll have ginger fermented carrots. Again, simple. But over the course of those week, that week or two sitting out uh, at room temperature, those microbes will proliferate and will, those are the probiotic ones that, that are good for us when we consume them. That sounds like something I could do. And I have to ask because I'm always the one in my family saying, ooh, germs. So do you, have, do you, do you worry about bacteria as it's sitting out on the counter? Uh, well, so interestingly, uh, you know, what, what I, and I, hey, I was there with you, like, ooh, germs, became, <laughs> ooh, germs, you know, like it's all in. How Two different it. kinds, so, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so most of the microbes that are in our environment are benign or, or symbiotic. They have, they're helpful with us. That can uh, get into things and, and make us sick, throw out the food and make us sick that are the ones we need to worry about. But fortunately, fermenting food like this using a, a salt brine is very, very safe. There's no, there have been no documented cases of anybody actually sort of croaking from eating a bad batch <laughs> of kraut or a bad, a bad pickle. And part of that, the corollary to that is that, you know, trust your senses. If, if you are going to open something and it looks horrible, it smells horrible, it's mushy, um, the color is off-putting, trust your senses in that way and just, and just throw it out. But for the most part, um, it's a very simple and safe process. Most many people may may think about botulism, which is uh, more of a more of a threat when you're dealing with a different style of preserving called uh, quick pickling or canning, in which you are creating a sterile environment and therefore no microbes are there. That could that's a, an environment where something like the botulism toxin can get in and proliferate. When we're doing something with fermentation, we're sort of creating an ecosystem that's imbalanced, and so something like a botulism toxin would, would have to outcompete the other microbes that we're fostering. And so we're essentially using the, the fact that nature is always a diverse ecosystem, whether it's inside of a jar or whether it's an entire planet, and we're using that to our advantage. And so um, as long as we set the stage by adding the right amount of salt, it's going to be a very safe process. So that, that, I think that's the biggest question that I get when I, when I teach this stuff is, you know, and, tr- you know, truly, there, there are some safety concerns, but the truth is it's an extremely process yes. that we've done yes. for thousands of years. Okay. If any listeners, which I suspect there will be many, who want to learn more, like me, what's the best way to connect with you, Austin? 
So uh, our blog is probably the good place to start, fermentersclub.com. Um, we've got a, a lot of different resources, sort of like why you should be fermenting, art, articles such as why you should be fermenting, how to get started. Um, and then I use it I just as my platform for completely geeking out, you know, so I have you know, 100 recipes covering everything from vegetables to dairy products to you know, porridge, which is basically just grains and oats that you've let sit out overnight, and that starts the fermentation, to my latest thing that I happened to do was I wanted to build a curing chamber because I want to start learning how to make things like cheese and, and charcuterie mm -hmm. sausages. So, so I've got a whole, I broke down, like, here's how I, I you know, went on Craigslist about the old refrigerator and put it together and geeked out that way. So varying levels of how, how deep you want to go and down the fermentation rabbit hole, but that, that's a, that's a primary resource. We, you know, and from there you can find our social media, uh, Facebook page. We've got a, a, a good Facebook page, Instagram, and also a YouTube channel where I'm posting a lot of my content now. And um, so, yeah, those are sort of the main, the main ways to, to get hold of us. Excellent. Well, thank you again, Austin, for the help you've provided today. And for each of you listening, please remember this. You matter. We need you with us. Reach out for help as you need it. And will you say to yourself always, there is hope. And finally, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and write a review. It takes a little time, and it would mean the world to those who need this information. This way you get every episode, and you help others find the show who need it. Until the next episode, let us all support and help concussion survivors in any way we can. I'm Cindy Subizis, and you've been listening to the podcast, Concussion, There Is Hope, and you are a treasure. See you next time. Thank you for joining me in the podcast, Concussion, There Is Hope, where we share tools of information and support for concussion survivors and their loved ones. You can visit me at myuniqueconcussion.com, where you can sign up for the latest news through our supportive email. By doing so, you'll receive a free and important report of what your doctor never told you about concussions. I'd love your help in creating a master movement of support for concussion victims across the world, especially for our youngest ones. Thank you for listening, and God bless.